0: Welcome to Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner with Dr. C., the academic entrepreneur. Some of the most successful stories in business started from failure, sometimes even multiple failures. The guests on our program have faced failure, learned to understand it, and have used it to their advantage. You can, too. Get ready for success. Now, here's your host, Dr. Cheryl Lentz.
1: And Welcome back, everyone. This is Dr. C, and yes, I am the academic entrepreneur, and I have some amazing guests for you today. These are I am actually a regular on their uh, show on Tuesdays. This is Michael Palka and Angie Austin, and I've been working with them, seasoned radio veterans, for a long time, and today we get the opportunity to chat with them for a little bit longer than I normally do, and this is going to be fun. So what we're going to do is I'm going to have them introduce themselves, and then we're going to start talking about some thankful-for-failure stories. I was thinking about this today as we were thinking about the show and the idea that we're in the spirit of the holidays. And I want to make sure, remember, we always ask a question in the show to kind of set everybody up. And the question we have today is, have you ever been grateful for something you didn't do? Have you ever been grateful for failing to do something that just wasn't a good idea? And think about these things as the person who missed the bus that fateful day in the train on 9-11. Um, Then you were later than the stoplight and an accident happened right before you. Grateful for things you couldn't control, but grateful for things where you were actually late. That one in a million chance for you to do something, and it was actually something that may have saved your life. So we're going to welcome to the show today, Angie, we'll start with you. Tell our listeners a little bit about the infamous, the one, the only, Angie Austin.
2: Oh, thank you, Dr. Cheryl. All right, so I'm I'm very excited about the topic, thankful for failure, because it's the perfect topic for Mike. And uh it's a <laughs> on, it's a great topic but- I'm, I'm, act- <laughs>
3: just, I'm laying in the cut, lady <laughs>
2: <laughs> Getting your salt ready. All right, so I'm I'm actually um uh, it is a perfect topic for Mike because because he was um uh well how do you say it um allowed to go from his last position that's how I was able to get him as my co-host and we were able to build a show together and you don't often get someone that experience to work with where you can build from the ground up and where you're you've both been successful enough in the past that you don't have to make anything for a while as you build your own show there aren't many people who've been successful enough in the past that that you can just go oh well we won't make anything for a while but we're going to We're going to start from scratch and build our own show. So we did that together. I have um, about 20 years of TV news experience. I worked in uh, Los Angeles, uh, Denver, San Diego, Santa Barbara. I've worked for ABC, Fox, uh, uh, NBC, um, The CW, and the only network I think I didn't work for, they tried to hire me the last time was a CBS O. That was my last job offer. And I decided, decided that I'd go into radio and I started something called The Good News. And then I started working on a morning show called Daybreak USA, which has been on for about 30 years. It was syndicated. And then Mike and I basically took that same morning show feel And started the Angie Austin show. And then he said, no, I demand my name be added. And I said, well, as long as you're second, it can be the Angie Austin and Michael Pelker show. (laughs) So that's how we became Angie and Mike.
1: I love it. Well, now we're going to add the second part of the dynamic duo. Mike Opalka, tell us a little bit about you because you have some fabulous failure stories. And Angie's right. This was perfect when it came to me.
3: <laughs> I, I will tell you, I am the king of failure. I have <laughs> there you
1: go. <laughs>
3: a half dozen times today. And I believe if, if you're not failing, you're not trying. If you have yep. not made a mistake every day, then you're just too relaxed and you're too comfortable. And life is all about failing. If you did everything right, you're only doing a tenth of what you should be doing. And so, and that's not to say you should be evil, but it's just saying that success is not instantaneous, nor is it just a one off. You have to work through things. And as a guy who has 30 years of broadcast experience, but started it as a Avocation that became a vocation. Mm. I I was running three executive search firms in Houston, successfully so, but I wasn't fulfilled. And I prank called a radio station (laughs) one day. And (laughs) why am I not surprised? (laughs) It's Bill Murray, and they thought it was Bill Murray. (gasps) And it led me to a career of doing voice work on radio. And uh, I think it was about two years after that, I I was doing just, you know, late night and overnight work, just playing around. And my boss, who owned all the executive search firms, said, well, Mr. Radio, are you going to be an executive with us or are you going to go play on the radio? And I said, Happy New Year. I'm going to go play on the radio. And well, I, you know,
1: we talked about the last thing, you know, the segment we did with your show is we find something you love and you fail until you get it right. And sometimes you just got to keep hanging in there and to finally keep failing until you actually find that rhythm. And that's what I so admire about you and, and Angie. You just kind of finish wow. each other's sentences. You you have this, this kind of polite type of jabbing. Not the nasty, not the vicious stuff, but just the, yeah, the, the self-proclaimed kind of a little, you know, self-aggrandizement, I guess, a little bit. But you guys are cool when you work on that. So... Let's talk oh. about these failure stories because I want to hear them all.
2: <laughs> I didn't even know the Bill Murray story. Really? I knew once when I heard a, an audio of him doing Bill Clinton in like a robe at his house when they interrupted him. And I thought it, like, I didn't know if it was Bill Clinton or Mike. Like I knew he could do that, but I didn't know that you'd actually done a Bill Murray voice and gotten hired that way uh, eventually.
3: Yeah, that that was just, again, though, stumbling into it. And I'd been moderately successful as an executive search person, but unfulfilled. And so I I was always looking. And I think that's part of what we talk about. Angie and I talk about situational awareness. And I think that in every part of our lives, it's important to be aware. And this goes back to what we, the three of us have talked about, is getting our faces out of our screens and into the world and being aware of what's around you because not only is there beauty, not only is there joy and sadness, but there is opportunity. And if you're down in a screen in your hand, you're missing out on so much of life. Mm-hmm. And in that life is the abundance, abundance of failure and abundance of success. And they they work hand in hand. And so uh, I, I'm just one of those people who wants to be present, who wants to be aware, who wants to be engaged, and thank God I have a co-host who gets it and understands. Now, I will tell you this, Dr. C. Angie and I will jab each other, but if you jab her, I'm going to stab you.
1: I understand. (laughs) Well, here's something that got my attention. I was so glad that we were doing the show today is because... Somebody was telling me something at a seminar, and I just, I mean, it's one of those stop moments where time stopped. You know, we always talk about perspective that you're saying, you know, the glass is half empty, the glass is half full, how you're situationally aware of the world and how you look at it. But here's something no one ever says, Mike, and you're going to love this. How come nobody talks about filling the glass? Instead of keeping it half full or half empty, just fill up the damn glass. Ah. And I sat there the other day going, no one has ever said that before. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to tell Mike.
3: <laughs> well, uh, I always go with, you know, the, the optimist says the glass is half full. The pessimist says it's half empty. And the opportunist drinks the glass. Ah, <sighs> oh, That's hilarious.
1: I like that. So what would we call the person that fills the glass? The realist? I, I think that's... The pragmatist, maybe? The worker bee. <laughs> the worker bee. It's
3: also the good person, the person that we all strive to be more like. Instead of arguing over whether it's full or empty, you want to make it even fuller.
1: Well, and I kept thinking about the, as my cup runneth over, why are you even trying to just fill the glass? Why even worry about what the boundaries are and just keep, if you keep doing the right thing, you, my cup overfloweth. And so when I looked at that going, oh man, I was getting pretty deep, very philosophical, but I guess tis the season with Thanksgiving upon us.
2: And you know, sometimes you have to do the right thing for a very long time, whether it's being kind to someone for a very long time uh, before they're nice back to you or doing the right thing. Like Mike and I really were doing the right thing with our, you know, show and still do. And we're honest, we have integrity, we work hard. And sometimes I felt like we were sliding backwards. And I kept saying to, you know, uh, clients that I was trying to win back or, you know, uh, bring people to our show, whatever it may be, like, I feel like we do the right thing. and, And sometimes you get frustrated when you don't get the immediate payoff per se, but it takes a lot of hard work. And I think too, when you get to our age, when you've been in the business 20 plus years that you start to think like, well, I should already be at a certain place. So I should be starting in the middle, not at the bottom. But really we had to start at the bottom again and literally make nothing in order to rebuild something that we hope becomes really great. But then, you know, you hit plateaus and then you have to work hard again. And I feel like you know, at this point we feel like, wow, um, can't we rest on our laurels a little? No, apparently you can't. And that we have to think out of the box. Like Mike does a lot of the techie stuff and you know, Mike's been doing this even longer than I have. And here he's, he does the podcasting and he'll set up a website for us and I'll call clients. I'll do a lot of things like I never planned or wanted to do again. But to be honest with you, the joy that I feel when he makes me laugh or we laugh together or someone writes to us or I bump into someone at like an event in like Denver, where we have an affiliate, um, where I bump into somebody and they go, Oh, I know you're from the radio. You guys just keep doing what you're doing. Or you really make me laugh. You brighten my day. You're like the One guy said, you're like a pot of coffee in the morning for me, or you're like the glitter on, you know, you're like glitter or the sprinkles on a cupcake. I mean, come on, are you kidding me? I mean, that's why we do it. Like when Mike and I work together and he totally cracks me up or makes me laugh, or when I listen to him right now, I feel like I'm so blessed. How did I get such a great co-host? Because, again, had we not been successful, we never could have made nothing to start from scratch because you always are looking for a job that pays you. But what if you want to create your own thing? Then you, then you have to have been successful enough to make nothing to create it.
1: Isn't that amazing? We can talk about nothing and it can turn into something. And I think that is amazing commentary on failure. And we're going to hold it right there. We've got to go to break. We've got to pay those bills. So listeners, you are listening to the Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner with Dr. C. I have Michael Pelka and Angie Austin. And if you'll stay tuned, they will be back with me right after these short messages. We'll be right back. Thank you.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Congratulations on obtaining your doctorate degree and your first university faculty position. Well done. The university expects you to publish, and you don't know where to begin. Contact the Refractive Thinker Team, the premier academic publishing house, where discriminating scholars publish with purpose. To learn more about the 16-time award-winning series just for doctoral scholars, contact Dr. Cheryl Lentz at 702-719-9214 or visit the website refractivethinker.com. That's refractivethinker.com. Are you a graduate or doctoral student pursuing your master's or doctorate degree? Do you continue to struggle with your writing to meet university expectations? Hire an award-winning editing and coaching team to help you earn that degree faster. We provide individualized programs to meet your unique needs. Graduation awaits. Call us to make your appointment today. The first call is free. Contact Dr. Cheryl Lentz at 702-719-9214 or at refractivethinker.com. That's refractivethinker.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're tuned in to Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner. To reach Dr. C. or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to Dr. Cheryl Lentz at gmail.com. Now, back to Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner. Here's Dr. C.
1: And welcome back. You are with my guests today, Michael Palka and Angie Austin. And so what we're going to do is we're going to start with the thankful for failure stories. And I know this is an odd thing that we have done on the show before is what are you grateful for that didn't happen? So, Mike, we're going to start with you on that one.
3: Can I tell you a secret first?
1: Absolutely. Here it comes.
3: (laughs) Angie Austin and I have worked together in some capacity for about two years now, maybe two and a half years, depending on what lunar clock you're on, whatever. But we have never been in the same room together. We have never seen each other physically together. I've never hugged her, never shook her hand.
1: No way. Uh, Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's...
2: This- we we became friends through the radio and you know and he's like my brother like I adore the man, you know, but we've never met in person.
1: Oh never- no, that is such a sign of the digital age. I did not know that and the chemistry you have maybe that's why I don't know I'm just saying <laughs> no,
3: I, I think the chemistry is why it works and the chemistry would work whether we're in the same studio because I have worked in the biggest morning show in America. I worked at New York City's Z100, In the biggest radio station, on the biggest show, and where half of the conversation is silent conversation where the hosts look at each other and cue each other, and I don't have to do that with Angie Austin. She understands where I'm going. She's also a giving player in this relationship and will follow me. Even if I'm taking her down a road she's not sure about going. We've awesome. been sure. down a few
1: of those
2: yes. rabbit holes. <laughs> right, there's some naughty roads with his 13-year-old boy's mind that he tries to go, and I just have to sit in the back seat and go, "I wish I had the steering wheel." <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I'm guessing that this is a pretty interesting failure story of where you came from in order to be where you are today with with Angie. That's pretty cool.
3: Yeah, it it was an amazing story. I happen to be fortunate enough to have spent six and a half years, six years and nine months with the blaze when it started. I was employee number seven. I was an editor of the website. I had a radio show. I filled in on Glenn Beck's radio show several times, talking to audiences in 350 radio stations, tens of millions of people, and had my own show, and was cooking right along. And through no fault of my own, I was eliminated because of economic situations. And to make matters more devastating, Glenn and Beck and I had a thirty year friendship. In fact, he was the best man at my wedding twenty seven years ago. Wow so to uh, to get uh, called ten minutes before my radio show was to go on the air on the Blaze radio network and be told, I'm sorry it's over. And not only is it over, but it's over in a very abrupt and uh, let's just say not really rewarding manner, uh, was a bit of a shock. And so I was devastated. I was absolutely crushed. And out of nowhere, my friend Angie Austin says, well, this will give you more time to be on the radio with me in the morning. And (laughs) I had been a semi-regular guest on Angie's show plugging Uh, the radio uh, appearances and the stories I was writing on The Blaze. And so from that came a way of me treading water until the time where Angie had a similar breakdown in her career and the two of us were thrust together in this life raft of the Angie Austin and Michael Pelka show.
1: All right, Angie, now you've got to have your part of the life vest in this one. I want to hear your end of the story.
2: So I I actually couldn't believe that he didn't get hired like immediately because he does know so many people in the business. So as the time went on and then I also was free because they had offered to let me buy my program and the price they gave me, I'm like, you know, I know I'm blonde, but hello, I dye my hair <laughs> like when I got the facts and the figures. I even said, like, are these right or are you guys punking me? Because, you know, I know how to do math, right? Like, I'm like, I can't. This, the, the price that they offered for me to buy the show was, to me, it seemed like, you know, just crazy talk. So I thought, well, um, no, that won't work. And they're like, all right, well, we'll um, then we don't need you if you can't buy the show yourself. And so I thought, well, I have the crew you know, that the, the um, board op had been worked with me for four or five years. So he wanted to come with me and we just kind of thought, well, we could start our own thing. And the interesting thing about that is I was fine to kind of retire and raise my kids because they're, uh, you know, elementary and middle school age. And um, everybody that I'd met in radio wanted to help me. So whether it be to provide music or to help me produce or to help me get, you know, contact affiliates, um, um you know i had so many people offering to help me um, in, in different in different arenas because there's a lot you have to put together um and i even got satellite time and a network to represent us basically Uh, everything fell together. So then I talked to Mike and I thought, oh, how did I get him? You know, that was like (laughs) such a crazy blessing. It was a total God (laughs) thing, you know, because I couldn't believe he was still available. And then the fact that we're so like dedicated to each other, I mean, we we, we did it at least six months really without making anything. And that, you know, we just kept plugging along. And whenever I'd need him, he'd be there. And whenever he'd need me, I'd be there. And we'd set a time to do the show or record or whatever. And he'd always be there. And, you know, to get someone that, not, I mean, not only to get a valuable employee or a loyal employee, but when it's not getting paid and who's still there, it was pretty amazing. We can really count on each other and our board op as well. And so um, now it's starting to kind of come to life um, when we'd kind of set a deadline of maybe we'd, you know, slow it down or maybe, you know, kind of work towards retirement per se. Um, and things just started falling together and now it looks like we're turning a corner but in terms of me getting into radio i would say when i was in tv um i they'd given me a, another contract like a temporary to sign until my real contract was ready and when i went up to sign the real contract cuz i had like a i don't know like a couple of month like um you know temporary contract while they got all the details together when i went up to sign the real one um, We went up to the general manager's office and I said, oh, do we always go up here to sign contracts? Because it was a new news director. And I'd had like I'd had like 20 news directors at that point in time. And he said, yeah, sometimes, you know. So we'd walk up and the general manager's not even in there. It's just me and the news director. I guess the GM was too chicken. And so he said, I'm, you know, we're going to go in another direction. And whenever they say that, the direction is always away from you. Right. That's, the new, <laughs> that's the new direction. It's away from you. And That's so, the whole
1: point where they say we have to talk. Nothing ever good follows either of those, right? Well, and I was kind of surprised
2: because the guy in um, in promotions had already told me that my Q rating or whatever, they'd done some research. And my the anchor man I worked with at the time and myself, we were um, two of the highest ranked personalities in the market. And so I thought that that meant um, like job security. But I think they were doing that to get more evidence to why it was okay to not, not renew my contract, um, so anyway, to make a long story short, I almost fell off the chair cause I thought that they were, pu- it was almost like getting punked again. So, um, uh, then I got another job offer at a station in town, a better station actually, but I told my husband that I wanted to start a good news show cause there were a couple of stories that had kind of done me in and Mike and I, even when, th- when there's a tragic story, Mike and I will both cry over it. So Mike will say, now, what are we going to gain from doing this story? Like, everybody in the country knows the story already. You know, there's no way to do this story. And if they're really heart-wrenching and all they're going to do is leave people sobbing in their cornflakes, sometimes we don't do them. We talk a lot about a lot of things that, like, you can make a difference in the world or whether it be good news or something quirky we think is wrong that you can make a statement about or bring people's attention to. We do that kind of stuff. Uh, But the story that really got me was the one out of Oregon where the father had allegedly killed the mother, and it was in Oregon. And they didn't quite know, and he lost custody of the two boys, and there was a grandpa involved. And when social services brought the kids over, he killed the children. He blew the house up, but he went after them inside of the house with a weapon, okay? So I'm imagining these little boys and their own father, because they'd said mommy was rolled up in a carpet, They'd said something that actually kind of gave their dad away. And I feel like he saved that moment before he killed them to seek revenge with a weapon prior to blowing up the house. So all I could think of in the commercial break was these little boys staring in their dad's eye. So I'm still on TV at the time, and I turned to my co-host who was filling in that day, and I was just distraught. I said, do these stories ever get to you? And he said, nothing gets to me anymore. And I went, I'm done. I can't. I can't do this. Like, I can't do it when I can't make a difference. And so I thought, I'm going to do some good news stories because there's so much good in the world we never talk about. And that, that story just bothered me so much. It was soon after that. I even prayed to God. I'm like, God, it's hard for me to quit a TV career I've worked 20 years on. I make a lot of money. You're going to have to pull the plug on this because I can't pull it myself. I don't have the guts to just quit. And it ended up in an odd way that, you know, that my contract wasn't renewed when they told me it was going to be renewed.
1: Careful what you wish for.
2: Yeah, it worked out. <laughs> I, I don't miss TV at all. One of well, the f- and
1: that's part of what we've talked about is if it bleeds, it leads. And good news just doesn't sell. And I just, we were talking about the elections right in our last segment that we were working on. And it was so disheartening to see that people have to win through negative ads, going, don't you want to look at what they can do, not what they can't do? And so that bothers me quite a bit.
3: Well, I always tell everybody, and this works in politicians, it works in business, it works in your personal life you need to run towards something not away from something. And yeah, it's okay to walk away from something, but you really need to be headed towards something that will be positive. And, uh, you know, it went, when I got that phone call that ended my career with the blaze, it would have been very easy for me to go negative and seek revenge. But I was always taught uh, you dig two graves because one of them is going to be for you. And you're cut mm. for a reason, and I did a lot of soul searching, and it, it's not always easy, but it the answer comes, and you know what? Um, my my grandfather, who one of my grandfathers, I was blessed to know both of them, said to me, "If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans."
1: <laughs> and, he's roaring in my life lately. Let me tell you, he's just having a great all the time. You know,
3: that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. But I, it, it really is one of those things that I've, I, I don't like it. My patience is not my strength, but I've learned that when everything is awful and there was a time where I did stand up and I dabbled in improvisational theater and it's a lot of fun and it's very, uh, very ener- energizing. And when you fail, standing on a stage telling what you thought in your head was the funniest story or the best one. <laughs> and, and trust me, it happened a lot.
1: I can imagine you looking at hearing crickets going, I thought it was funny. Apparently, it's only funny inside my voice, right?
3: Yeah, so. yeah it's, it's only funny for me. But, but when that happens, the worst thing you can do is push harder because oh. life... and and an unhappy audience smell despair. And so the best thing you can do is come back to yourself and your true purpose and your true center and your true heart. And you will find what you're supposed to be doing and the jokes and stories you're supposed to be telling. So I tell everybody, just try and hold back on that initial want to just jump in. I have this argument about the president all the time. I wish he wasn't a counterpuncher all the time. I wish he would just hold back and let it come back because it will come back to you and it will be much more uh, appropriate for you to respond when it does.
1: Well, on that note, I think this is a perfect segue because what I want to do when we end the show is to get your words of wisdom and your words of advice. So what we're going to do is we're going to go to our final break. Um let the bills get paid a little bit here, and then we will come back and have your wise words of wisdom. So I'm Dr. Cheryl Lentz. You're listening for Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner, and we will be right back after these messages from our sponsor.
0: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network are you a graduate or doctoral student pursuing your master's or doctorate degree do you continue to struggle with your writing to meet university expectations hire an award-winning editing and coaching team to help you earn that degree faster we provide individualized programs to meet your unique needs graduation awaits call us to make your appointment today the first call is free Contact Dr. Cheryl Lentz at 702-719-9214 or at refractivethinker.com. That's refractivethinker.com. Congratulations on obtaining your doctorate degree and your first university faculty position. Well done. The university expects you to publish and you don't know where to begin contact the Refractive Thinker team, the premier academic publishing house where discriminating scholars publish with purpose. To learn more about the 16-time award-winning series just for doctoral scholars, contact Dr. Cheryl Lentz at 702-719-9214 or visit the website refractivethinker.com. That's refractivethinker.com. Voice America Business Network the bottom line in business. You're tuned in to Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner. To reach Dr. C or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to Dr. Cheryl Lince at gmail.com. Now, back to Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner. Here's Dr. C.,
1: and welcome back, everyone. I'm Dr. C, the academic entrepreneur, and you are on the show, Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner, with Angie Austin and Michael Palka. Before we get into what I'm going to call the wise world of wisdom that we're going to gain from both of these longtime experts in the field, I want you to be able to know where to find them in their show. So, Angie, if you can give us an idea of how to contact you both and where they can find you on your radio programs.
2: Well, Mike set up our website. He's our tech department, so ah. we do have a... We do have a website. And then, um, uh, Mike, should we give them that? Is that the best place to reach us?
3: I was going to give you your
2: home phone number. That's still three. (laughs) Wait, you don't want that out there? We still have a home phone, actually. Plenty of uh, robots call it, so I don't care if anybody calls it. Okay, good. Then,
3: 303. (laughs) No, I won't do that. Well, uh, you know, I think the best place to track us is uh, easiest, you can get to our show, which streams all day long, the three hours repeats all day, so you can pick it up at any time, is uh, angieandmike.us, and there's a link just to listen in, and it takes you to our satellite company's webpage, but Angie and Mike, not ampersand, the actual word and, mike.us, and it uh, comes right up, but you can also follow Angie on the Twitter At Angie Austin News. And I think uh, you should follow her there and also follow her on Facebook because she's very prolific on the Facebook.
2: I'm on the Facebook a lot. I I post a lot about the kids, and uh, I don't don't think I do enough, like, political stuff like you do. Like, you're interesting on Twitter because you get into a lot of fights on at Stunt Brain on Twitter. You like to, you know, kind of be a rabble rouser. We're so different in our free time because I just want to go below the radar and put, put a cute picture of my kid up or, you know, whatever. I can't
1: imagine Mike always being a contrarian. That just shocks me beyond words.
2: Well, Mm. then you'd be wrong. (laughs) Very wrong.
1: So how do we get in touch with you, Mike? What are your Twitter handles and all that stuff?
3: Well, Angie gave mine out at Stunt Brain. It's S-T-U-N-T-B-R-A-I-N. And that was my little production company forever, never, never. I think for people who can't, won't, or just don't. And uh, so I've been uh, at Stunt Brain, all one word on Twitter, like Stunt Man, but with a brain.
1: Yeah, uh, I and, like it.
3: And I'm I'm my own self on the the Facebooks, uh, Mike Opelka. You can find me, and I do I do get into little political battles, but I also post silly stuff because there's a whole lot of silly stuff out there. So you'll you'll find me there.
1: I love it. Well, let's start with you, Mike, and we'll do some reverses. The wild words of wisdom that you have, the biggest lessons that you've learned in your life as a result of failure to offer some advice for the coming uppers, particularly the millennials we often talk about so much. Uh,
3: my, My dad and my brother Gregory are probably the two people whose messages stay with me every day. My dad said, The man who knows how will always have a job. But the man who knows why will always be his boss. Uh, I always thought that was so important. He he told us that as kids.
2: Wait, you got to say it again because I I didn't even... What? The man who knows
3: how to do something will
2: always have a job. But the man who knows why...
3: That job needs to be done will always be the boss.
2: Oh, that's why that's my problem. All right. And
1: and (laughs) my my dad will be the first one to tell you what your problem is, right, Angie? (laughs)
2: First,
3: second, and third. So (laughs) I, I carry that with me every day. The wisdom of my dad, who also, strangely enough, was the biggest free speech advocate in America, risked his whole life to be able to share his opinion. In his choice of fields, which was real estate appraisal, and it's a, a long, boring story we don't have time for. So he, he taught us about the First Amendment, and that's how I make my living now. God bless. Yeah. And my brother, Gregory, wrote a play years ago that I co-wrote with him, and uh, it's a musical. And he has a song titled, Illegitimies Non-Carborundum. And it's a, a great Latin expression, illegitimis non carborundum. It means never let the bastards wear you down.
1: <laughs> wow. So don't let the gremlins win, huh? That's
3: it. And, you know, I would sing it for you, but my voice would uh, peel paint. <laughs>
1: so there's a reason God made you a musician and not a vocalist. Is that what I'm hearing?
3: <laughs> yeah, an announcer. An
1: announcer. Thank God. <laughs>
2: That is fun. He has more wisdom because I feel like Mike's background is the, his upbringing is the upbringing I wanted, his upbringing is the upbringing that I'm giving my children, like the way Mike was raised is kind of the way I'm raising my kids. There's nine kids in his family and his parents stayed married and they were delightful and his mom stayed home and she invented the internet on the fridge and you call it the what, Mike? The fridge net. (laughs) <laughs> the fridger net, yeah, yes. The <laughs> thing you need
3: to know in the world was on the front door of the refrigerator with magnets. Everything. That <laughs> killed,
2: and so I I grew up in chaos and a lot of like I I tell Mike I was saved through my faith because whether it be like living with a relative or on my own as a teenager or when I was in foster care, other people took me to church and my mom did a little bit too. But my mom was so beaten down by life, she couldn't really be like an advocate for me because she was kind of a victim herself, so she couldn't really be, you know, she all she could do was love me, and that that was that was a saving grace for me as well. But when I lived in other places, you know, I lived with the grandmother, I lived with my dad and my stepmom for a little bit, and they literally, he put me in the car one day and said, your stepmom's decided I I have to choose between you or the kids. That's what he told us. Now I get along with my stepmom well now, so I'm sure there's hurt feelings when they hear me talk about my past, but um, he loaded us up in the car and dumped us off on my grandma's front porch. It uh, took us from Minnesota to Colorado, and talk about rejection when your own dad just dumps you off and then changes his phone number never to be, you know, like given to you again, Until I was an adult, I think I maybe got it. I don't remember how I ended up getting his phone number again. We'd have to call an operator and say, we have an emergency, and then she'd call my dad, and then he'd call us back, which is humiliating for a straight-A student kid trying to survive. So I had brothers using drugs. We lived in low-income housing. Like I was in survival mode my whole childhood. So faith really, to me, was something that gave me a foundation and made me feel like I I, understand what love was and that you have the love of... for me, a father like the, you know, the Lord. And so that kind of gave me like be kind to others and gave me the basics in life because from about 12, I think I pretty much raised myself in my opinion because I felt like I had more common sense than those around me. And so I felt like, ooh, you people aren't doing a very good job at taking care of yourselves. You certainly can't raise me. Ah, uh, so I feel like um he has more of the like wisdom he was taught as a kid. I think I have more like street smarts and just kind of like um I scrapped my way um through an education and working full time all through high school and college. And then seven days a week all through my 20s when I worked at NBC in Los Angeles, I would work in like L.A. on the assignment desk. And then I'd go to Santa Barbara and be a weather woman on the weekends. And then I got a job anchoring at Fox in San Diego. And then every weekend I'd go up to L.A. and work in the assignment desk because I was so afraid to be poor again. And I was so afraid to fail that I just, you know, was saving every cent I made, you know, buying property in my 20s so that I could save money and make money. And so now I do have a family like Mike's. And I do have a husband who, you know, doesn't use drugs and who come, you know, works hard every day and does all the things that you would want your children to have in a father. And so now he teaches them a lot of wisdom that he learned from his own family. And so I don't feel like I have the tidbits that Mike does. I feel like he has more wisdom from his early years and I have street sense.
1: Angie, do you think of yourself as being grateful for how you were raised or simply accepting how you were raised? That's a I'm
2: tough en- one, I know. I'm, I'm envious of people who had it better, but I know I'm the way I am because of it, and I don't know how I turned out as well as I did considering the circumstances, and I do believe it's kind of a God thing. I've got one brother that was murdered, one that's currently homeless. I haven't heard from him since June. And then another brother that graduated in the top 1% of his class at West Point, who's brilliant, but he's the only other one that didn't use drugs of the kids. We didn't use drugs. So, um, Anyway, am I grateful? I don't know what I am. All I know is I'm grateful for the way my life is now, and I'm grateful that my kids have everything they have, and I don't know if they know how good they have it, but they have it really good. In fact, I've had people on Facebook say, wow, if I come back to life, I'd like to come back as one of your children.
1: (laughs) (laughs) One of my business coaches often said, it's like, Cheryl, you don't have to be grateful for the experience, but you are grateful in the experience. And it's kind of an interesting way of being able to look at We are who we are because of what shaped us, but that doesn't mean we necessarily would have preferred another path that might have been a little bit easier going forward. So wonderful for you to share it. I know how difficult this can be, but it's great that you're on the other side of it now.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's fun now.
1: (laughs) I love it in there. So, okay, so as we bring the show to a close in there, what are your top? two or three words of wisdom that you could offer as a result of, you've got the street smarts Mark's, Mike's raised himself from the, the words of wisdom from family smarts. What would you say is the collective wisdom of both of you to put that together?
2: You go, Mike.
3: Oh boy. Um, you know, strength of the individual is so important and has been important in the founding of this wonderful country, but you can't get anywhere without someone else. And uh, I take it back to that expression: if I've achieved anything, it's by standing on the shoulders of giants. And Ooh, Angie, that's an oh, old one. Well, Angie is a giant.
1: Ah, <laughs>
2: that's
1: sweet. <laughs> Stop it, Mike.
2: <laughs> um, I would say grit is big for me. I think that Mike and I and you two, Cheryl, we have grit. I think we're old school. Um, I think I'm like almost from another generation uh because I'm a little bit younger than Mike, but I feel like um I have that um old school work mentality and that grit, you know not giving up when you know a day may be boring and it's tough and when i was working full time and going to school full time and you know staying up all night long to get good grades and using my vacation time to for finals I think that that grit, you know, that I I tell my kids all the time, if you want a nice life for your kids, you have to do what mommy did. You have to work hard in school and you, you have to provide for them later. That's why you have a nice life now. That's why you need to do well in your reading and your math. And so I think grit is important and delayed gratification. You can't always have the fun now. Build a little fun into your life and work towards that. Maybe like just maybe the dinner on the weekends or whatever it is, but every day can't be fun. You've got to, every day can't be all fun. Don't get me wrong, but like there are going to be days when you're trying to reach your goals that aren't filled with fun and there's a lot of hard work in there, but then build some fun into your weeks to you have something to look forward to, but don't give up just because every day seems to be um, that little teeny step you're taking towards your college degree or every day is a little teeny step towards that final or little teeny step towards that job you want and and you just have to keep, you know, working your way there slowly but surely and to have integrity to treat people well to be kind to others. Um, I never forgot. I remember a co worker at NBC said another anchor woman asked me to lunch. I thought you were the only person that hung out with people beneath you. And I was like, what? And what do you I'm what you you're not beneath me, but they thought that I was someone that reached down to give them a hand up and that I treated them as equal. Yeah, I did because I feel they're equals.
1: I think that's amazing. I tell my students all the time, I'm not above or below you. I'm just ahead of you in the process. And I'd like to inspire them to be able to see that if I can do it, you can do it. And to give them an example worthy of being followed so you do it the right way. But that is difficult when there are folks who do put on airs or think that somehow their title gives them some kind of status. I'm like, nope, I just worked a little bit harder. I'm a little further. But you can get there, too, if this is what you want kind of thing.
2: And Cheryl, watch out for those people. When you see how they treat a waiter, when you see how they treat their mother, when they you see how they treat, you know, the person at the dry cleaners, you take note. That's a red flag of how they may treat you or your children in the future. So watch how people treat other people.
1: Absolutely. I remember when I was at the radio station years and years ago that I was the only one that would actually let the receptionist know when I was in and out. And I remembered her for secretary's day and I remembered the janitor and all of that. And they're like, why did you do that? I'm like, let me ask you a question. What's the most important part of a watch? And they always looked at me screwy. I'm like, well, answer the question, they says, and they'd always name some usually the biggest part of the watch. I'm like, no, it's a trick question. You need all the parts of the watch to work. No one part is any more important or less important than the other because without them, you don't have a watch, and you can't tell time and And for some, that analogy is lost on them.
3: I once fired a person who never refilled the coffee pot at the office <laughs>
1: <laughs> a metaphor for life, perhaps, Mike,
3: yeah. If you take the last cup and refuse to throw out the old grounds and don't refill it, you are not a team player. Yeah,
2: that's a good point.
1: Well, there was a there was the um, I think it was Montgomery Ward or one of the old classics who said when he took somebody out for dinner, if they didn't taste their food before they salted, he wouldn't hire them. And I'm thinking, you want to talk old school, Angie. That is as old school as you get. But that's part of that whole concept is your interview isn't the part where you're in front. The interview starts the minute you become on stage, which is the minute you go to the receptionist and you say hello, the minute you're dressed appropriately or not. And people don't understand it's from start to finish. And there's not the interview process in that room. It's how you treat everybody according to everything.
2: Yeah, I, I like that. I like that, and I, you know, and these are some of the things that attracted me to working with Mike. And like he said, we've never met in person, but we ke- became, you know, really good friends and really respected each other. And I always tell people, I think he's fair. He always says the truth has no agenda. And even though he's conservative, and I'm a little less conservative maybe than he is, I feel like he gives everyone a chance and listens, and he's really fair, hardworking, with a lot of integrity. So he's they someone just that I don't make
1: coffee, right? Right? No, he will. Yeah. right. <laughs> (laughs) Yeah,
2: Make sure you make the coffee. But um, that's who you want to be associated in work and in life like birds of a feather flock together. That's another important one associate with the kind of people you want to be like put people in the front row of your life that you aspire to be like not some creep that you just decided, well, I'm going to work with him because he gets good ratings, but he has no integrity. And I think he's a loser.
1: I have the best advice I was ever given was by a colleague of mine that I went to doctor school and now he is Doctor Tom, but he said something that has always stuck with me since December of 2003. It doesn't matter what you do in life, but it matters who you do it with, and I have never forgotten that. And you have to choose wisely.
3: Yeah, Mama used to say, "Show me your friends, I'll show you the future." Absolutely. Absolutely. The
1: Mama Duck said that.
2: Yeah. Oh, she. You need Mama duckyisms.
3: Oh, There's a lot of them, there's too many of them, but maybe one day. <laughs> I want well, to be what's a book your greatest
1: it. advice, Mike, that you would have for someone that's starting up? Because I know we've talked a lot about millennials in particular, that it's sometimes hard to reach that lack of commitment, that lack of perseverance, that lack of if I'm not happy and I don't like it, I'm just kind of quit today and be done with that. And that's not quite the work ethic all three of us are really familiar with most.
3: Yeah, Ch- Churchill is uh, had no relation to me was not my grandfather i wished i had known him but winston churchill in the darkest days of world war ii was still going out and speaking to school children in england and it was just an awful situation as the nazis were pounding london with bombs relentlessly and it didn't look like the brits were going to get through this war successfully And Churchill was backstage at this giant assembly, and he was thinking, what do I say to these young minds? What do I tell them? And in Churchillian fashion, I don't even know if that's a word. (laughs) I love it. He walked out on stage, stood and looked at the entire room filled with young, hopeful faces. And he said, never, never, never give up. And walked off stage. Thunderous applause, and it's one of the greatest speeches ever. Five words. Is that amazing? And that's kind of the way I've lived my life through everything. Never, never, never give up. That's and I think ultimately something good will come.
1: Well, we've talked about the successes where opportunity and preparedness meet. And sometimes you don't see the opportunities that might be around you. And both of you have had really interesting failure stories of things you didn't expect. And yet it turned out to be an interesting bump in the road in that that diversion. We talk here several times about the Alice in Wonderland when Alice goes to the fork in the road and asks the Cheshire cat, well, which way do I go? And Alice, you know, looks at him and he says, if you don't know where you're going, any path will do. And I think that is such an amazing yeah. commentary for if you don't have an idea of a goal, you don't have an end destination, you're just kind of floundering around, you'll end up exactly where it is you don't want to be. But when you have that end destination, regardless of the perseverance that it takes you to get there, you'll eventually get there through grit, through perseverance, through just simple stubbornness of just getting up every day and doing it over and over and over and over. And those are work habits and work ethics that sometimes are a little bit lost in some of the generations. They just, you know, they want to do it maybe two or three times and then they give up. Well, Can you imagine if failure would have been come so early that maybe we would have never had the light bulb? Edison was 897 times before he built it. And, and you, what
3: you're saying is also important to constantly working at something also lets the world know where you are. Opportunity cannot knock if it doesn't know where you live. Yeah, Ah, I like that.
1: That's well, And true. that's part of it. Is I remember, is closed mouths don't get fed. A student taught me that years ago. It's <laughs> like you have to ask for what you want. And I never thought of that because in our generation, you are grateful for what you were given. And it's a slightly different perspective. But now I'm trying to politely and humbly ask for things. And it's amazing when people will say yes and the things that have happened, and people are like, well, how did you get that? I'm like, I asked. It was nothing more cosmic than that. I asked the question, wow. right? And yeah. and they looked at it, it's like, but did you have the courage to ask? And I have a colleague of mine who's been teaching me for years. She goes, asking's free, Cheryl. What's the worst they can do is say no. Sometimes they say yes. And I'm thinking, yes, they do. And I've been on the receiving end of some very amazing people who've said yes, but because I was petrified, but I still ask the question, so...
3: Well, Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky said, you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take. <laughs>
1: <That's> absolutely. <good. laughs> absolutely. So we're going to bring the show to a close here, but the last, what's your favorite word that you would think grit, I think is yours. Angie, would it would that be true? Your favorite word that would say, yep, that's what gets me up in the morning when things get tough.
2: I I like the word joy, because I like to find and that's not necessarily happiness. It's finding joy in the midst of the day, that gift in the day. If it's a view of the mountains, your kid giggling even when, you know, you're maybe having a tough day, or, you know, I like the word joy. Grit's good, because, you know, you've got to have that, I think, to succeed and to have a good attitude, but gratitude, joy, those are good words.
1: Mike, what about you? Do you have a favorite?
3: I I like joy. I used to like joy, but then some TV host ruined that word for me. (laughs) <laughs> I just I can't get into it. I find she's ironically named. Uh, I I also followed Angie's lead on joy. Uh, there was a thirteenth-century monk named Fra Giovanni, who said the the gloom of the world is but a shadow, and behind it, yet within our grasp, is joy. Take joy. So that's kind of where I am.
1: I think it's terrific that you can still look at the sunny side of things, or at least to try and find that silver lining, maybe even a unicorn or two, Mike. I, I've heard you pull some very interesting things out there. And silliness, I think, is actually kind of fun at this age, too. So I yeah. remember what it's like to be a child. Who
3: told you about my unicorns?
1: <laughs> you know, I'm just saying it was just a good guess, Mike. I'm telling you. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys have a fabulous time for the holidays that are coming up. I'm so grateful that you are part of my world and part of the advice that you're offering to our listeners and things today. So let's leave with the favorite saying that you have that kind of helps you. Because I have one in particular that when going gets tough, Cheryl gets going. So,
2: mm. No, you go first. I got favorite saying. What do I say, I say to my kids all the time? Uh, I got to think about that one for first, a first, second. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mike.
3: I, You know, it's not really like anything earth shattering. It's like
2: it could be a lot worse. You're above ground.
1: <laughs> Any day above ground is better than the alternative. I've heard that one as well.
2: <laughs> uh, we um, We often tell the kids that, you know, we're not quitters. And that we're problem solvers and that a lot of kids want to give up things and so we make them problem solve. I just think that there's a generation out there that and I don't want my kids to resemble it where it's easier to just quit the job and get a new one and that uh, because they don't like the job. Well, there are a lot of days you don't like the job, but there's a way to make it a good job again. And that giving up on things, whether it be a marriage or a job or a friendship, we often do it prematurely. And so I often tell them we're not quitters. We're problem solvers. Let's figure this out.
1: Ah, I like it. I like it. Well, thank you both listeners. We've been enjoying a wonderful opportunity with both Angie Austin and Michael Palco. And I want to thank them both for coming to spend a little time with us and share us their favorite failure moments for which they're grateful and I know that's an awfully ironic uh, statement wait. to make
3: we're not there I, we don't have time to sing illegitimate <laughs> non for random no
1: <laughs> I don't know we've got about five minutes left but hey if you can make it in five minutes I'll listen
3: <laughs> I can't. sorry I'm embarrassed right now <laughs> where's my unicorn to take where's my... your
1: unicorn <laughs> exactly exactly well we are you're gonna find them on a regular basis for Mike Opalka and Angie Austin I want to thank you both for coming on the show and sharing some of your words of wisdom for us today We're thank pretty... you Cheryl thanks you Dr.
2: C it.
1: have a good one you guys take care alright listeners We've had some interesting guests the last couple of months now that this show has been around for a while. And it's a unique opportunity when we're looking at the idea of failure. And I know that's an ironic type of a, the glass is half full, the glass is half empty, uh, kind of an option that most people see. But we're really looking at, what are you grateful for the path not taken? What are you grateful for, the challenges and the failures that you didn't expect, the job you got fired from? The um, When you zigged and you should have zagged, I know there are many from 9-11 who are very grateful they missed the bus that day or they missed the train that day. And hearing Mike's stories and hearing Angie's stories about things that they didn't expect, yet it didn't devastate them. It may have ruined their day. Remember we talked about the idea of failures. What do you do with that little word called yet? Failure is simply success turned upside down, inside out with the ability to... It's not failure unless you determine failure permanently. And so the idea is to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, get up again, and get up one more time than knocked you down. And that self-deprecating humor that I admire about Mike is kind of amazing. We just kind of take a step back and kind of laugh at ourselves going, yep, that didn't work. Nope, that didn't work either. Let's try that one again to be able to, what was that quote we had is to find something you're good at and keep failing until you become great at it. So, the question is, what is your passion? What is your ability to ask your why that keeps getting you up in the morning? Mike's quote is a fail, you know, wonderful is the fact that if you always know the what, you'll always have a job. But if you know the why, you'll be the boss. And I had a business coach once, and she took that one step further and said, The why that makes you cry. What is that absolutely that hill you're not going to, that you won't die on? And I remember a job that I took great pains in spending three months deciding whether or not I was going to quit. And I didn't want to. I thought I had all this fancy education and, a, you know, a doctorate in leadership that I could solve anything. And the answer was I couldn't. And I had to realize that this was the time for me to graciously and gratefully step down and become successful elsewhere. And that was a life lesson that I still carry with me. It took me a long time to determine it. But I realized if my name wasn't on the door then it was time to be able to learn to lead, follow, or get out of the way. And sometimes you need to step down and understand that failure isn't failure unless you actually look at it and let it stay there. It's a matter of leading you in a different direction. So as we bring today's shows to a close, I want to make sure that you understand how we can continue to shape that conversation. I want you to be in touch with Mike and Angie. They have some just... Fabulous symmetry and fabulous synergy, and I mean the fact that they have never met—I think—is in person. I think is uh, uh, absolutely terrific to look at that chemistry they have them. But it's all about choice, and it's all about: Are you going to let it keep you down, or are you going to keep going and have that grit that Angie talks about—that staying power, that ability to live to fight to another day. So I want you to to. Keep following us as well as you shape the conversation. You know how to find us on Facebook. You want to like our page and suggest a question for our next show. We have our uh, Facebook Success Through Failure page. We have following email, drsherylentz at gmail.com. And if you're not able to join us live, be sure not to miss a beat. Visit our Voice America page to tune in to all of our previous shows, all recorded and all av- available on Voice America as well as iTunes. Remember, make sure that you lead in the dance of failure. Remember that you are in charge, and you have a choice, and life is all about choices. And the point is, do we lead, do we follow, or do we get out of the way? So I'm Dr. Cheryl Lentz, Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner with Dr. C's, the academic entrepreneur. Today we've been listening with Angie Austin and Michael Pelka. And I want to be able to leave you with just something to consider that, When you're sowing the seeds of failure, trust that you have the power of solution. And it is a path maybe less traveled, but certainly a path worthy of the journey. So thanks for joining us, and I hope you'll come back each and every week. Fail faster, succeed sooner, and maybe be grateful for failure. You never know where it might lead. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and have a wonderful holiday season. I'm Dr. Cheryl Lentz. Thanks for joining us today.
0: Thank you for joining us this week for Fail Faster, Succeed Sooner with Dr. C, the academic entrepreneur. Dr. Cheryl Lentz invites you to listen again next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. It's time for you to find your success. We'll talk again next week.